Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And I'm Maddie Cassidy. And today we're speaking with a couple of ladies from Sea Venture Clam Company down in Florida. Their names are Carolina Panoff and Tori Parks. And they are here to talk about growing baby clams. <laughs> and there's some really cool info in here about, you know, their processes as a clam hatchery and they're doing some really cool stuff around environmental restoration and cleaning up some waters down in Florida and they're very big into kind of their local economy and their local environment and and doing whatever they can to help educate consumers and keep people working in in aquaculture and it's just Really good stuff. They're a pretty new company. Yeah, a couple but, of years old. But they're doing a really good job of infusing sustainability into pretty much every single thing that they do. And they do a lot. So that's that's saying something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they have retail like apparel and they're selling chowder and they are raising these clams and they're selling the juvenile clams to farmers. I mean, they're just doing so much and they're all over the map. And I think it's a fairly small company in regards to people. So yeah, and they make a lot of clams. <laughs> yes, they do. Millions, <laughs> millions per week. So um, that's true. Pretty they cool buy story. Some of that back for some chowder. And this is a special episode. Yeah. Why, Maddie? Because why? Sea Venture is helping us host a giveaway for our podcast listeners. Giveaway episode. Yeah, and if you want to <laughs> learn about that, <laughs> uh, if you want to learn about this giveaway, you want to win some stuff, because who doesn't like free stuff? Make sure you listen till the end of the episode, because Maddie will give the whole rundown on how it works, but we want to give you free stuff, and they want to give you free stuff that you're going to enjoy. It's going to be awesome. Get super excited, and make sure you participate. Yeah, and in addition to the giveaway, they also gave us a discount code for our listeners to use on their website. So make sure you listen to the end of the podcast for that information, too. That's right. All right, so without any further uh, ado, let's do it. Welcome to the Aquademia Podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. We're sitting down with Carolina Panoff and... Tori Parks from Sea Venture Clam Company. How's it going, guys? Doing great. Well, thank you. Thanks awesome. for having us. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So you guys are calling in from sunny Florida, where the weather is probably nice. <laughs> Nicer than here. And we're freezing our butts off in New Hampshire. 15 degrees this morning. <laughs> it's very cold. The snow's coming soon, but you know we're all starting to feel the effects of the cold weather, which is why our voices may not be tip-top, but that's okay. So we had you guys on because you are doing things a little bit differently, and you you are clam producers. You, you raise clams. It's clam aquaculture, but you are taking a big leap towards educating the consumers about aquaculture through the actual practice, and we're going to get into what Sea Venture does and everything that you guys are doing, what you're planning on doing in the future. But before that, I want to learn about you because some people, probably not too many, but some people may not know who you are. So can you give us a quick backstory? Uh, maybe Carolina will start with you. What, you know, how did you get into aquaculture and where you are now? Well, that's a really random and spontaneous story. <laughs> but um, so Sea Ventures has been around for two years and our first year was a lot of planning and just 
really kind of figuring out the market and understanding the business and learning from other people within aquaculture in the business. And year two, we actually came to market with products. So Tori handles production and we had our first clam baby seed sales working with you know farmers primarily in Cedar Key as well as different farmers along the coast. So we've been around two years as a clam hatchery. And now that we finally have that part of the business kind of down and we really understand it, we're starting to move into different spaces, let's say, like the food industry. But um, to answer your question, you asked me, how did I get into this? So I used to be in software sales and it's completely different. I do not have a marine biology degree. I handle the sales and marketing for Sea Ventures. But um, I do recall in college taking a course called challenge 2050. And it was the only course that I took outside of my finance degree in the college of business. So I took this random course challenge 2050, and it was all about what are you going to do by the year 2050 when there's 10 billion people on planet earth? And how are you going to feed these people? Like, how are we going to attack this problem? That's cool. And that really stuck with me. And this opportunity with Sea Ventures came up and I started doing more and more research. And honestly, the answer to me really seems like aquaculture. I was really attracted to the company, the team. Uh, Tori's a founder along with Jamie Grooms, who's the chairman. Uh, so it was a great team, small team, and I really believed in the mission. So I came on board and, you know, one of our, our visions and main goals is to bring aquaculture domestically because 98% of our food product or seafood is being imported. And we just, you know, starting with shellfish made a lot of sense because it's one of the most sustainable products to grow. Yeah. And like just to say, what do they do? Well, they're filter feeders, so they <laughs> clean the water that they're growing in yeah yeah so a single clam can filter about 20 gallons of water per day and they also sequester carbon and they use that to build their shells so they do quite amazing things for being such a small little critter and a lot of people have no idea like i think oysters get a lot of uh you know, oysters are quite popular. Everyone loves the oyster and we all know that they're filter feeders, but clams are kind of like that second cousin in the background that nobody likes to talk to. <laughs> so we're really trying to bring them to the forefront as well. They're delicious though. I like clams better than oysters. Personally. Oh, awesome. I want, I want. So we like to hear. You're talking to the, to the right people, not the wrong Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tori, what about you? How did you get into aquaculture? Well, my story kind of goes back to since I was born. I grew up with my dad on the boat going out and finding our own oysters and bringing them back in a bushel and chucking them off the back of the boat and you know clam bakes every Sunday with the family so shellfish was always a really big part of my life and it wasn't until I was about 12 or 13 I went and visited a salmon hatchery and kind of that opened the door to aquaculture, especially the hatchery aspect of aquaculture, opened those doors for me and really, you know, I had this wow epiphany moment of this is what I want to do. You know, this is my career path. And, um, you know, as I got older and started going to school, I wanted to kind of get into the law aspect of it because I wanted to save the world and I wanted to make a difference in the world. I had that big dream. And, you know, when you when you become more educated on, on the legalities of these situations, it becomes a little disheartening. And so I, I ended up changing back to that aquaculture aspect and ultimately decided that I wanted whatever I did in life to have a tangible, positive impact on my environment so that, you know, my legacy is positive at the end of the day. And so that's why when I graduated, I met my co-founders, Jamie Grooms and Beth Corson, and we started this company up. And like Carolina mentioned, our, our vision is just sustainable aquaculture. And 
it's really important to us to get the word out to the consumer and, and have transparency with the consumer educate them on what aquaculture is and, and the benefits to it. As Carolina says, we have a growing population here and, and declining populations of wild stocks. And it's really important to us to make sure that the generations to come have the same experiences I had growing up as shucking those oysters and clams off the back of the boat. So that's kind of how we got into this. Is Florida where you grew up? I'm a Florida native. I was born in uh, Gainesville, Florida, but I grew up in Ormond Beach, which is near Daytona. Gotcha. Oh, my gosh. I went to school at um, Stetson University for a year. No way. Yeah, awesome. like right next Small door. World. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that's crazy because Justin went to school in Vermont, which has nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> Although during spring break, I did go down to Daytona Beach. Okay, it all comes so together. Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> so Justin, you and Maddie have probably met someplace on the beach one time beforehand. <laughs> yeah, you probably did. I don't know. I think there was a little bit of a gap few years gap between yeah. oh, okay, okay. Justin's, Justin's a little younger than me. Yeah, I'm a little younger. And you pro- I was most likely at the gym. <laughs> it shows. It really shows. The gym was the name of the bar on campus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so there's there goes my train. Uh, I'm good at that. Yeah. Derailing everyone's thought train. <laughs> That's what we do best. Winning good company, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so what Sea Venture is doing is actually super interesting because... You're not only growing the fish, you also have retail and you just launched a couple different chowders that you're going to be selling. So you're kind of all over the map in regards to hitting different sides of the industry. But when you're growing these fish and when I say when I say fish, I mean clams. (laughs) (laughs) But I think a lot of people, when they think of aquaculture, they think of like, you know, one thing, the thing that they know, whether that's open water sea cages or, you know, big tanks in a recirculating system. But shellfish aquaculture is actually really different because a lot of it is just kind of, it almost seems like set it and forget it in a way. What do you guys do for actually growing the shellfish before you, because you, you, I'm guessing you put out seed in bags or something out into your local waters. Is that accurate? Or I mean, what's your, what's your, what's your process? So what we do as, as a company is, you know, as a hatchery is we have a group of adults, which we refer to as broodstock. Um, and we've picked these for good growth appearances physically and robustness as best we can, what, what natural events have they been through? And we condition those broodstocks. So we hold them at a certain temperature and feed them some really good food make sure they're nice and happy and we get their gonads nice and ripe. So where the egg and the sperm is held. And once we feel that they're at that peak uh, ripeness, we'll take them and we'll induce a spawn using different temperatures of water. And that process is called thermoshock, which you switch between hot and cold water. And eventually you'll start to see the males releasing their sperm. Males typically go first. And then you will have your females following up with their egg release. And it's really important to be trained on which, what eggs and sperm look like because they're very similar. And we'll take the females off the table and collect their eggs separate from the sperm. And we will hand fertilize the eggs to make sure that they don't get over fertilized because that is a thing. And we want to also make sure that there's a nice genetic variation as well. And then we'll take those fertilized eggs, make sure that they're developing properly, and we'll put them into larval tanks where we will rear them for about two weeks. And during that time, they'll go through their metamorphosis, which can also be referred to as their setting process. In that time, they go from their swimming life cycle phase, known as the veliger phase, 
and they'll transform into their juvenile adult self where they'll develop their foot and lose that swimming capability. And that's quite a dangerous time for them. They're very susceptible for infections, bacterial and viral. So it's really important to take care during that time. But once you get them past that two week mark, we'll transfer them to our nursery and they'll stay there for about two months. It depends on the group and how many seed we get from it. Seed being the actually set larvae. So the ones that have the foot and are no longer swimming. And that seed will grow from about 120 microns up to 1.6 millimeters. And one millimeter to 1.6 millimeters is our sales range. And that's something that we will give to the farmer. And then the farmer will then put that out in a bag on the water lease and plant it. And it says on your website that you produce millions of clam seeds each week. That's no small number. Wow, each <laughs> week. Well, clam, and most shellfish are project... Uh, what is it? Project spawners, right? They they put out a, just a ton and ton mm-hmm. of seed because yeah. It's... So the the word you're looking for is broadcast. Spawners. Broadcast. That's the yep. yes. I haven't I haven't had to use that term since college. Broadcast. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> you think you think with us sitting around a table talking into microphones, broadcast would be a regular part of our vocabulary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they they rely heavily on. The water column, the currents that are going on, the food load, uh, the temperature. So you you do in the wild see these natural spawning events uh, when there's a lot of abundant food, phytoplankton in the water column, and a high probability for the sperm to meet the egg. And they can grow their community around themselves without overcompeting themselves. Uh, so that's basically what we're trying to imitate in the hatchery, but year round. And yes, like, for example, we do produce millions every week. This last farm we had, we capped it off at about 120 million larvae. And we have about a 70 to 80% survival rate. Yeah, that's what I was just going to ask. What are you looking at for survivability there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't sell that entire group, though, because of the genetic variation. One of our top priorities as a hatchery is to make sure that our customers are getting our very best. So it's important for us to have a strict culling process throughout the larval cycle. Culling being uh, making sure that the smaller and slow growing animals are not competing against the healthy ones. So we'll be removing those from the the stock. And uh, we only sell to the farmers our premium seeds. So we don't sell the, uh, the later growing ones to them the late bloomers yeah exactly do do you do you euthanize them or do you just set them aside so like more of a grading process so they can grow separately and you can sell them later it varies some you know sometimes we do projects with them some students do projects with them uh we do euthanize some and we do we are finding alternate applications for them so that their lives aren't in vain (laughs) Cool. So your crops regarding clams, you have the southern hard clam and the northern hard clam. Could you, for any listener that maybe is just starting to take a stab into aquaculture or farming, could you tell us the similarities or differences between those two species and maybe which one is more popular? Yeah, sure. The clam that we deal with, the species, is very much a hybrid of the north and the south. Okay. Uh, that's kind of typical. The, the true species names of the North and the South are the North Quahog is Mercenaria Mercenaria, and the Southern Quahog is Mercenaria campichensis. So the Southern 
the mercenary campichensis is what you are typically seeing in a wild clam in Florida, uh, a little bit up to Georgia and South Carolina. But you do have a heavy blend of that mercenaria, mercenaria coming down from New York, New Jersey, all the way down into the, the southern. So yeah, you do get a nice blend there. That's what we normally get is the M mercenaria up here. I went to school in Rhode Island for aquaculture and like we did so much stuff with that with the, the northern hard shell clam. Are they like the same are they the same mm-hmm. size, roughly? Or Essentially. They, yeah, they're pretty similar. Yeah, they're the big physical trait differences that you'll see are with the mercenaria campichensis, you'll have a little bit of a higher ridge on the shell, the exterior shell. Mm-hmm. And with the mercenaria mercenaria, the northern, you will see a little bit deeper of a purple imprint on the internal side of the shell. Otherwise, the shape and the coloration tends to be very similar. Uh, a lot of the coloration is also dependent on what sediment they're exposed to while they're growing, because again, they do take nutrients from their environment to build their shells. You know, a lot of our customers from Cedar Key, the harvested crop that they pull have a, a very gray color to them. And that's because of the sediment deposits in that area. But, you know, if you were to get rid of the external, you'll start to see different types of physical traits in them. As far as coloration goes, you'll have some that have no markings on them, some that have stripes, some that have zigzag stripes, known as the notata coloration. Some people prefer that and some people don't. We try to cater to everybody's palate so yes i can never tell because it's always in a soup (laughs) (laughs) or or, or caked in fried batter oh yeah that's a good point that's true too (laughs) so how many farmers are you guys selling to do you like and are those farmers primarily in your immediate local area yeah so we sell all across the um i guess the eastern seaboard and the furthest north that we've gone so far is north carolina and to to go ahead and um, add on to what Tori was saying in regards to the northern versus the southern, uh, most of our product that we're producing right now is the hard clam that is based in Florida. So that's southern hard clam. Mm -hmm. And I would say that the majority of our customers are in Cedar Key, Florida. Cedar Key has quite a cool story and history. Back in the early 90s, late 80s, there were quite a bit of commercial fishermen, uh, net fishermen up there. And in 94, there was a law that was passed that basically went ahead and um, banned net fishing. So, all, and it was inshore net fishing. So all these inshore net fishermen no longer had a way to make a living. So the state of Florida um, got together with a number of universities creating programs to teach these fishermen uh, transferable skills so they could stay out on the water and become aquaculture farmers. So most of the customers that we deal with are commercial fishermen who've become aquaculturists. So instead of living off wild stocks, they're now farming, which is a beautiful thing and cleaning the the coastal waterways through their aquaculture farms and leases. That's a really awesome story. That is a great story because it helps kind of eliminate the whole philosophy of farmed versus wild, which is something that we don't like to even say on this show anymore. You know, we, we think it's important to look at farmed and wild and how mm-hmm. they can work together. And it's a great example of how you know, guys who are wild caught fisheries, fishermen are now farming to help preserve fishery stocks down the road. And so it's really, it's a great way that both sides are working together. And I think that's a really cool story. Thank you. Yeah, it is because I mean, if you think about it, it's like, imagine having a life as a commercial fisherman and then having that taken away and having to be an insurance agent or something like you'd be absolutely miserable. So Mm -hmm. It's really cool that the the state went ahead and um, worked to create that program. 
but yeah, that's the first generation of farmers. A lot of them were, were still working with first generation commercial fishermen and um, they've started these small mom and pop businesses and they're passing it along to their kids. And we're really excited to see what the next gen- you know, generation of aquaculturists will look like. Uh, some people that I speak to are lawyers, you know, who in their day job during the week, they literally, you know, do their lawyer thing, whether it's a PI attorney, corporate attorney. And then on the weekends, they've just decided like, I need to get out of my desk. You know, I need to be out on the water. And it's almost like, it's not that it's their main income, of course, but it's become like a recreational thing for some people, uh, almost like a meditation, just getting out on the water and working with clams. So I think one of the words that we haven't, we have mentioned, but that we have to continue to mention, especially during this conversation is the words sustainability and that there's a lot of aquaculture practices out there in the United States, out in other countries throughout the world. Uh, but in order for this to be a promising future for feeding the growing population, sustainability and how we go about these practices, if it's not sustainable, it won't last um, but and, you, and you're doing that, and it says it all over your website, which is what I was uh, dissecting before we had this interview. It's a very but, impressive website, by the way. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> easy to navigate. And, yeah, we're big fans of the website. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> and to all of our listeners, we'll link that in the show notes for you. But yeah, sustainability, like you're, you were saying, that's, um, that's a really key word here because obviously we're also riding the sustainability wave right now. It's all through, all over social media. There's people like... Greta Thunberg, who, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen her before, who are just raising so much awareness around it. And we're really excited to be around at this time because we just feel like this energy around sustainability. But one of the the things that we um, we point to in our social media and just to go ahead and like draw some context around what does sustainability even mean in relation to aquaculture is the feed conversion ratio. Mm-hmm. So basically, yes. that's the amount of feed an animal needs to go ahead and eat in order to gain a pound of body mass. If you look up feed conversion ratio online, um, you'll see fish on there, but you actually don't even see shellfish because at the end of the day, you know, shellfish are eating microplankton, they're eating algae, but a fish and obviously different fish have different ratios, but this is just a generalization. But um, a fish will be around 2.3 pounds a feed to gain one pound of body mass. Whereas when you're looking at beef or pork, you're up in like the 10, 15 pounds, 30 pound range. Um, so that's definitely a ratio that we like to point to just to draw some context around this. Yeah, we have some infographics talking about comparisons of FCRs with aquaculture and terrestrial proteins. And we can maybe share links to some of yeah. those as well. It's really astounding when you put it in that context, like the difference between, especially when you put shellfish in there, it's like, it's kind of a no brainer, like what you should be eating more of if you want to have a, a low impact environmental diet. Yeah. The bottom line with shellfish is it's really cleaning the waters that it's grown in, which almost doesn't seem possible. It's almost like too good to be true. Yeah, they're too good to so be the, true. So the biggest issues with shellfish is, you know, stocking densities and, and you got you got to make sure that you don't have so many shellfish in one area that it's going to take up all the nutrients in that area. So other animals and plants in, in that immediate area are not able to thrive because of it. So, you know, those are the things that you need to look look at with shellfish aquaculture as opposed to more impact of like overfeed or uneaten food and waste and stuff in the environment. So it's kind of... And kind of piggybacking off of that statement is, you know, that's what also makes them a great tool for 
restorative efforts, you know, with things like excessive nutrient loads in the water. That's why they're a great tool. They can sequest nitrogen and carbon and phosphorus from the water when you, you know, when you harvest them and plant them. And restorative efforts are something that you guys are starting to work with. Captain Transition, well done. Yeah, I was going to say that myself, but I couldn't remember if we already talked about it in the beginning or if that was, yeah. because <laughs> that was pre-recording. Let's talk about what you guys are doing uh, with your restorative efforts in regards to the, your environment around you. So yeah, we um, we recently submitted a uh, funding application for a restoration project. The name of the project is Securing Shellfish Sanctuaries in Florida. A lot of alliteration there. <laughs> yes, yes. You can just make it another acronym because there's enough of those in seafood. So, <laughs> what's one more? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, the name says it all. We're we're looking to restore wild populations of clams, and we also want to work alongside some oyster projects that are going on in the area, especially collaborating with northern projects as we want to focus on the southern uh, coast of Florida and kind of work to meet in the middle and tackle the problem areas of our waterways from the sides and, and pinch it off at the source. Yeah, so a really important thing with this is um, surveying the, the current state of the water. Um, as you guys have heard, I'm sure there's been algal blooms, uh, harmful algal blooms in Florida. And obviously, we're also a state that relies heavily on tourism. I think Florida is probably like the second or third largest state in the U.S. when it comes to tourism. So if we're relying on our beautiful beaches and clean water and oceans and like that postcard feel that we all think of Florida, yet when you go, there's just green algae and dead fish on the, on the beach. It's a huge issue. So we're essentially obviously restoring native populations, but we want to survey the waters to see that, is it possible that if you put enough oysters and clams back into the waterways, that it can actually lower the effects of that, those nutrient loads and those algal blooms? And our hypothesis is yes, and we, you know, because they do filter water and they do remove nitrogen, but it would just have to be so scale, you know, such a scaled effort. Mm -hmm. uh, but the beauty of it is that you are using animals and a living thing. You're basically doing environmental engineering at that point. You know, you're just like bringing the environment back to the state that it used to be so it can be in balance. Yeah, and at the end of the day, the solution that you come up with to help stop these harmful algal blooms is just food, and then you can eat it. Right. It's mm -hmm. so interesting how environmental efforts that are to like help the environment, so many of them are so like interrelated that it ends up helping the economy like you're talking about with tourism, and then it also helps provide food for people, and it's just so cool how everything is so interconnected especially when it comes to sustainability it's like if something's yeah. good for the planet then odds are it's good for so many other things, other things. Yeah. it's such That's a symbiotic true. relationship it is very symbiotic but it is super important to kind of sequester and put into t different categories shellfish production for food versus restoration because the farmers that we work with on the food side and the seed that we produce for them needs to go under very specific regulations to keep that shellfish clean and safe. Whereas if it's for restoration, it would be purely for restoration. That is not harvestable shellfish because it's, mm. there's different regulations and it's not as strict, let's say, because it's not being harvested for food con consumption. Right. So I just right. want to put that out there because that's a very um, important distinction. And it's something, obviously, shellfish is a topic that 
gets brought up whenever there are um, different different viruses and things that come up. And uh, a lot of times there's alarmist articles in the in the newspaper and the industry does a, a very it tries to do the best job it possibly can to go ahead and um, put things straight and really educate consumers as to what's really going on. But yeah, that's a, a very important distinction right there. No, I, I would completely agree. Thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> that was my bad, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. And what I was going to say kind of goes along with that, but you know, we're dealing with keystone species here with the oysters and the clams. And like Carolina said, these are purely meant for restoration. And, and the goal here is not only to filter and the water and improve the water quality, but in addition, you get all these wonderful benefits of reef structures, building habitat and ecosystems. So seagrass beds will come back when the turbidity of the water gets lowered, uh, more sunlight can reach the bottom. Uh, you'll, you'll see an abundance of juvenile fish, larval species taking place in that area again, life will be thriving. So it's it's good for multiple wildlife communities, which again goes back to good tourism economy, promoting fishermen and people who like to spend their free time fishing will have new places to do that. And it also protects us, especially being in Florida, we're all too familiar with the uh, devastating effects of hurricanes and natural disasters. And these species are essential in protecting our shorelines from what it could be, what the damage could be. All right. <laughs> I don't think I can follow that up. <laughs> I can. So. <laughs> oh. Justin. Justin's oh. The, yeah. He's our resident shellfish expert for the day. <laughs> That's a scary thought. Not counting you guys. <laughs> it sounds like you're feeling clamorous, huh? Oh. <laughs> I love it. Yes. No, I just, there's a couple things that I want to touch on. I know we're getting we're close getting to there, time. But... Yeah, but we talked about educating consumers and the way you're doing this, or one of the ways that you're doing this, and this hopefully will lead down another path as we start the conversation. Um, but through your chowder, you have an opportunity now to reach that consumer base. So yeah, using you actually are buying the, some of these clams back from these farmers. Could you talk a little bit about that process and what you're hoping to do through your chowder line? Sure. The process that Tori was explaining earlier in the hatchery and how that takes about like two months before we essentially have a sellable product, which is that one millimeter to 1.6 millimeter sized clam seed. Um, so we sell those seeds to the farmers and once they plant them, it could take anywhere from like a year and a half to two years for that clam to go through its life cycle to maturity. So what we're doing is we're essentially purchasing back clams from the farmers. Uh, so we're not only supporting them through providing stable seed supply, which has been an issue over the past five years. A lot of people have gotten into clam aquaculture and then they can't get enough seed. Uh, so you know, and it really depends. Every hatchery has their good years and every hatchery has their bad years. So it's not any fault of a hatchery, but it's, it's just a matter of kind of bringing higher quality, perhaps regulations and rules around the hatchery to, to prevent issues within, within the space. Mm -hmm. But back getting back on topic there, um, it takes about two years for that clam to reach maturity, a harv harvestable size. So we're purchasing them back from our customers and using them to make artisanal clam chowders. So our chowders are unique in that 
first off, it's the only chowder that's Florida-based clams. Typically, chowder companies will go ahead and purchase their clams from up north because they reach that quahog size. So that really that or chowder size rather, not quahog. That's the that's the animal, but um, <laughs> it will reach that chowder size clam and. It's better for the margins of the company because there's more meat in the clam and so on, so on. So most chowder companies are either using imitation clam or they're purchasing that chowder size from up north. Uh, we wanted to, you know, since Sea Ventures is born in Florida, we, we really wanted to go ahead and just support the farmers that we're currently working with. So we're supporting local by purchasing local smaller size clams, but they're all aquaculture raised from Floridian farmers. And uh, each jar has around three ounces of clams in it. And we've gone ahead and done the calculation and it is a rough calculation, but approximately each 16 ounce jar of clam chowder soup will filter around 10,000 gallons of water. Um, And just to put that into context, 10,000 gallons of water is enough to go ahead and fill up a small swimming pool. So our whole thing is like, we want to tell consumers, eat more clams, eat more shellfish, doesn't have to be clams. But for us right now, that's, that's where we're currently at. But you know, eat more clams because you're cleaning the environment. So I've I haven't seen one of your cans of soup yet or chowder. Uh, They're in jars, Justin. <laughs> well, <laughs> do you have this educational wording on like what can a consumer look for if they're you know they pick up one of your Sea Venture clam chowders and what sort of educational stuff do you have on on the labeling? I actually have one of the jars right in front of me right now, and the description says at Sea Venture Clam Co. We use sustainable aquaculture practices to create eclectic artisanal chowder recipes for you to enjoy. We hand select the finest Florida grown clams, which means you can experience and expect the freshest quality ingredients and flavorful chowder every time. So we don't get too in depth on the actual label itself, Mm -hmm. but through our marketing and also through our social media, we're constantly posting different kinds of you know, we're, we're running a, a marketing campaign since we're literally just launching this soup all around that 10,000 gallons of water that you, you're cleaning yep, and yep. eat more chowder, clean water. But yeah, we're, we're working with different partnerships. Um, for example, one person we're going to start working with, her name is Stephanie and she's a free diving coach. So we're going to be doing marketing around clean aquaculture to her um, audience. And she's got hundreds of thousands of followers. So I guess you can consider her like an influencer. Uh, so we're partnering with people that have aligned, you know, who are aligned in wanting to clean the oceans. And let's say it's surfers like Surfrider Foundation or, you know, just individual influencers. That's one way to get the message out. Another is our own native social media accounts that we we have a campaign called Clams Are Sexy. <laughs> so, I love that, by the way. Yeah, we see a hashtag Clams Are Sexy. Maybe you'll be in Florida one day and see the sticker on somebody's uh or wearing yeah. a shirt. I was, looking, I was looking at the t-shirts. You guys have some great retail options on your website as well. And <laughs> yes, I'm really, I'm you. really a fan of the, uh, the clams are sexy t-shirt. It's a personal yeah, favorite of mine. Way. You know, people will purchase those shirts and that's a conversation starter. You're like, what? Like clams are not Definitely. sexy. And then you're like, yes, they are. They filter water and they clean your coast. Um, yeah. I'm going to learn you something today. Learn <laughs> something. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Yeah. So we have a, a couple of different irons in the fire in terms of getting getting the word out. But the chowders one, of course, and retails another, social media campaigns, influencer campaigns, those are all things that we're working on. And typically those are also things that hatcheries don't really get involved in. So 
that's why we're, I would say that we're taking a bit of a different approach is because in order to help the farmers at the end of the day and help the environment, it needs to be a pull strategy. The consumer needs to want to eat clams. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's the restoration piece and that lives in its own little world. But I did if- want to say with that, you know, that there will be a huge educational component with that as well. Yes. So one thing that we're really excited about and talking about consumer education is that you see ventures has so kindly offered to host a giveaway with us to all of our podcast listeners do you want to talk about what you're going to be giving away to the listeners contest time (laughs) (laughs) sure sure um one lucky guest (laughs) one lucky listener um (laughs) so we're going to be raffling off um or doing a sweepstakes with aquademia and the winner of the sweepstakes is going to be receiving our three new clam chowders that we just launched so we've got the tropical clam chowder which is a really nice take on your typical new england but instead of using heavy cream as the base we're using coconut milk so it's a little bit better for your waistline there's also some dulce <laughs> weed in here so that's quite a unique <laughs> ingredient we're, we're big fans of seaweed at sea we Ventures are too well. actually we are yeah. okay <laughs> yeah seaweed's amazing and then we have a manhattan style avocado clam chowder and then we've got our typical new england clam chowder so those three chowders they will be yours if you win this uh this one the sweepstakes. Yeah. Yes, and so we're also exciting. gonna we're also gonna send that winner uh, one of our Aquademia coffee mugs and Ooh, maybe some G- podcast swag and, as well. And yeah. maybe some GAA stickers too. So yeah. it's really, get a little prize pack with some chowder and then you can put some in your Aquademia mug and heat it up and you get you're all set. If it only we had be. spoons, we should get branded spoons. Oh then go. it could be like the full <laughs> package. Yeah. So if you would like to enter this giveaway, we're going to be hosting it through our social media channels. We're gonna be posting about it on Instagram, Twitter, so you can check out all those channels. But if you want to enter the giveaway, then you can tweet at Aquademia Pod with the hashtag chowder giveaway and we are going to be picking a winner from someone on twitter and if you don't have a twitter but you would like to enter then you can email us podcast at aquaculturealliance.org make sure you sorry i just i don't need to interrupt you but i do interrupt you make sure that you (laughs) include um c venture as well yes on that and their twitter handle is at at clam underscore co So we will be tweeting about it. So if you can't remember this, then you can check it out on our Twitter. And we'll also have the directions listed in the show notes as well. So there's no excuse. If you want this chowder, then you can enter our giveaway. Am am I banned from entering this? Because (laughs) (laughs) yes, yes, you are. You can enter all you want. But if we pull your name, sorry. So I'm going to have to contact my social network and be like, hey, I'm telling you about this. If you win, you have to give me at least one of those cans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think maybe I think we'll we do a couple run- we can maybe do a couple runners up and send some some GAA stickers to them as well. Definitely. So, awesome. And then you you have one more offering for our listeners that uh we're willing to to shell out as well. Shell. Oh, look what you did there. Right? Uh and that this is with your retail stuff on your website, correct? Yeah. For the chowders, we have a discount code. If you go to our website, which is cventureseafood.com and use the code aquademia, you'll get 10% off your first purchase. So yeah, aquademia. Thank you so much for offering that. 
to us. Yeah, and we'll make yeah. sure that we link to all that stuff in the show notes and that we'll include that coupon code as well. So listeners, Aquademia, 10% off, get some chowder, clean some water. Mm-hmm. It's going to be awesome. Exactly. <laughs> get excited. So do you guys have anything else that you want to get out there before we wrap things up? We've been going for a, a, a decent amount of time now, so I don't want to hold up your whole day here, but. Well, if anyone would love to follow our journey, um, you can like us on Facebook at Sea Venture Clamco or follow us on Instagram at Sea Venture Clamco as well. <laughs> uh, we we do obviously post a lot of educational material, but I, I'd say that eighty percent of our jobs is to come up with funny clam memes. So <laughs> I, I, I might enjoy it. <laughs> but other than That's that, awesome. you know, well, there. If any of our listeners have a creative take on that, feel free to yes. tag yes tag us and them, and let's hear it. Clam Definitely. puns for days. Clam puns, yes. <laughs> so we'll link to that in the show notes as well so you guys can easily give them a follow they have great social media so definitely recommend it and then if is that the best way for folks to contact you if they want a little bit more information do you have a contact form on your website or is social media kind of king with you guys um we do have a contact form on seaventureseafood.com so if anyone has any questions around the um the soups or hatchery related stuff as well if, if you're interested in that um it's orders at seaventuresgroup.com Fantastic. And Maddie, did you say that if people don't have Twitter, they can email us? Yes. Okay. All right. So Carolina and Tori, really appreciate you guys coming on. Had a great time talking with you. And I really wish you the best of luck in the future with everything that you guys do. Definitely. You You guys guys. have so many exciting projects happening. Yeah. We're going to keep a close eye on on you guys and see uh, what's down the line. Are you going to be doing oysters as well soon? Is that, did you? Yeah. 2021. I believe. Yes, that's yeah. that's the goal. That's the plan. Awesome. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Uh, yes. We love what you're doing with your podcast, and very yeah, excited. Thank you. Hear, hear how this goes. <laughs> thank you, and and listeners, remember keep a look on our social media, the GAA Instagram, and the Aquademia Twitter page, so you and Sea Venture social media and Sea well. Ventures, yeah, all of us, so you know how to enter this contest and win some chowder and a little prize pack and. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm really excited. It's going to be open for two weeks. Yes. We're going to close it. Two weeks after this episode is live, you have two weeks to enter. Yep. And then later that week, we'll announce the winners for sure. Or maybe in the following episode. Yep. So. Perfect. Awesome. So thanks right. so much for listening. I hope everyone enjoyed the episode and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks. Bye. Folks, that was our conversation with Carolina Panoff and Tori Parks of Sea Venture Clam Company. As always, we hope you enjoyed it. Remember to enter the giveaway. Yes, so you can enter on Twitter, like we mentioned. And if you'd like to get the full directions, then you can check out the show notes. Yep. And if you don't have Twitter, you can always email us and just say, hey, I want to win some chowder. <laughs> so we'll make sure that we put you in the in the hat as well if you do that. And if you really want some extra entries, you'll get an extra entry if you call and leave us a voicemail. T- and tell us why you want free chowder. Yeah. <laughs> so that number again, 1-603-384-3560. And if you want to email us, we are podcast at aquaculturealliance.org. And most of you probably have heard our Twitter handle because that's how you're going to be entering for this giveaway. But that is at Aquademia Pod. 
Yep, so make sure you follow us on all of the social stuffs and enter to win some chowder and a little prize pack from Aquademia. And check us out on Instagram and check Sea Venture out on Instagram. There's a lot of good stuff on there. And we hope you guys liked this episode. It was fun. And of course, something that we actually haven't said in a while, but we always uh, appreciate if you like the show, if you subscribe to the show and share it with your friends and get them to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Swoot, Overcast, literally anywhere that you can listen to podcasts, whatever your preference is, subscribe to our show on there and share it with your friends and write us a nice written review. We always appreciate that and it helps us spread the word. So thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.